You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is a delight to get to share Christmas hymns during this time. And uh, it just excited to get to share one of the first in this series uh, with, uh, with our guest today, Chaplain Brian Hamer. He's chaplain to the 11th Marine Regiment in Southern California. Chaplain Hamer, thanks for being our guest on the 12 Days of Christmas. Good morning, Andy, Sarah, and Merry Christmas to our listeners. Merry Christmas to you as well. I am just uh, just elated that we have the opportunity to discuss a hymn with you. This has been in my mind for some time that I wanted to discuss hymns with Chaplain Hamer and so excited <laughs> we have the opportunity now. Uh, it's, it's a great Christmas present, right? So <laughs> today we're looking at uh, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come, with it, which is uh, Lutheran Service Book 358, I believe. So tell us uh, a little bit about the history of this hymn. Who wrote this hymn? Well, Andy and Sarah, this is one of three hymns associated with Christmas written by or somehow with a contribution from uh, Martin Luther. The other two being, We Praise, O Jesus, at Your Birth, probably the least known of his three. And then a hymn that we normally sing for Advent, translated from St. Ambrose, called Savior of the Nations Come. And then this hymn from heaven above to earth I come. So at the end of the day, this is probably, as we enter the 12 days of Christmas, the best known Christmas hymn from Martin Luther, uh, who is attributed with both the text and the tune. So tell us about the the background of this hymn. What should we know about uh, the, the, or, or the origin story? Can I say that about him, the origin story of this hymn? <laughs> Absolutely. The traditional origin of the hymn is that Luther wrote it as part of a Christmas pageant for his children right around 1534 as part of a family celebration of Christmas. Now, as it goes with many charming stories, we really can't prove that from the primary sources. That is what was written by those who knew Luther and, of course, by Luther in 1534. But as you glance at the text, it would certainly fit. So, for instance, looking through these 15 stanzas of LSB 358, it tends to use the first person singular pronoun, I and me and so forth. Now, the first five stanzas have quotes around them because it's really the voice or a paraphrase of the angel. So for instance, in stanza one, from heaven above to earth I come to bear good news to every home. Well, it's tempting to think the one coming from heaven above is Jesus, so that's also true. In this context, it's actually the angel. So you could easily picture Martin Luther in their home, 1534, doing their own Christmas pageant, and a single person, maybe an older child or a boy soprano, singing these first five stanzas as the angel, and then in stanzas six through 15, the response of the family. Mm -hmm. Does this hymn also have uh, some connection to historical, traditional German folk songs, too? Uh, absolutely. It originated, or it seems to echo in its original form, so published in 1535, something called a garland song. So whereas you and I get up and we check our, our news feed and our Twitter and so forth, at the time, before electronic communication, you would actually have people who would come into the local bars and taverns, and they would actually sing the news 
So a traveling ballad singer walks in, and I don't know about you folks, but I always picture this person having some sort of a silver cup to get tips for giving the news. And we find out, you know, if there was an earthquake in Turkey or what the emperor has been up to, and you actually would sing that news. So the one that he probably has in mind has the following text. So again, picture somebody coming in and singing this as the news. I come here from foreign lands and bring much news to you. I bring so much of the news to you, more than I will tell you here. And being sung by a soloist, this could go on for a bit until all the news has been given. This fits perfectly with the hymn because what's happening, somebody is coming from a foreign land, so to speak. That is to say, the angels are dropping down from heaven and they're bringing good news to all the earth. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into the text. You gave us a little bit of the background, but what, what is significant about this text? It's it's a very long uh, hymn when we sing it a lot of times. I know a lot of the congregations will split it up into different sections or maybe only sing parts. But what is what is what are some of the highlights of this text? Well, believe it or not, Sarah, can I start with what is not there? Yes. (laughs) If you read Luke 2 and that familiar narrative of the incarnation and birth of our Lord, now the angel generally starts with, uh, throughout the Christmas narrative, fear not. But in this hymn, even looking at the German, I mean, there is no proclamation to fear not. It seems to assume that uh, at this point, we know all these years later, while the shepherds were certainly startled as they stood on that hill, outside Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. We know that this is indeed good news. It is richest and purest gospel. So there's no reason to say, fear not. If I could just offer you then a couple highlights of what is really richest and purest gospel. We have the good news coming from heaven above. In stanza two, why is this good news? Well, this night a child is born of Mary, chosen, virgin, mild. Stanza three, it gets even more specific as it goes. So in stanza three, this is the Christ, our God most high, who hears your sad and bitter cry. In stanza four, the gifts that he's going to bring, prepared by God for all below. And then stanza five, the signs that the shepherds are going to mark, the swaddling clothes and manger dark. One thing that I like to do when I'm teaching hymnody at home or in the congregation or in this rare occasion on the radio is look at the hymn text and ask three questions. One, how often is Jesus mentioned? Two, who is running the verbs? Who's doing something for somebody? And three, what is he doing for us? So looking at these first five stanzas, really an extended paraphrase of what the angel sings in uh, Luke chapter two, Jesus is mentioned as Christ and as God most high, as the child, as one who has come from God. He has come to us to share our sorrows And he brings heaven and all the gifts of heaven, forgiveness, life, and salvation down to earth in these first five stanzas. Hmm. And there are a few more than uh, just five stanzas in this hymn, right? (laughs) Absolutely. This is a good hymn to kind of split up. If you sing it, for instance, uh, tonight being Christmas Eve, I'm sure a lot of folks will hear Luke 2 read aloud, and you could sing stanzas one through five maybe after a portion of Luke 2, and then put stanzas 6 through 15 later. Uh, for what it's worth, I don't think it it does well to sing just half of the hymn and then close the book and pick it up again next year. I think the whole story needs to be told. So now starting in stanza 6, we have the response of the faithful to the good news that Christ is born to us. 
So in stanza six, we're going to be glad to find it so. Then with the shepherds, let us go to see what God for us has done in sending his own dear son. And of course, we can't actually get in a time machine and literally go with the shepherds to Bethlehem. But in liturgy, ritual, tradition, and even in the sacrament, we go to our own Bethlehem, the church, where we find Christ who is cradled in the words of the scripture and in his sacrament. If I can give just a couple highlights from the other stanzas. Stanza eight, welcoming him to earth. Welcome to earth, O noble guest, to whom the sinful world is blessed. And as we sing that, I often think that every other religion has a way for man to climb up a ladder and try to be his own God. Well, think of the Tower of Babel and other stories. Man trying to get to heaven on his own power just hasn't worked out terribly well. Christianity has the God who becomes man and drops down to earth in the flesh and blood of Christ. And what greater blessing could we have? Then stands in nine. Let's not downplay the significance that he becomes man and that within that manger there are almost certainly animals. So in stands in nine, that you would choose, you Christ, would choose to lay your head where lowly cattle lately fed. Martin Luther might have been thinking as he wrote this text and eventually this tune published in 1539. He might have been thinking of a Christmas text called O Manu Mysterium. O great mystery and admiral sacrament that animals should see the Lord born lying in a manger. That he becomes one with creation and drops down to earth and unites himself with us by sharing our flesh and blood. And he's even among the, all the animals created in Genesis 1 and 2, where lowly cattle lately fed of all places, that's where you're going to find this noble guest who is God himself. So also stanzas 11 and 12, instead of soft and silken stuff, you have but hay and straw so rough, on which a king so rich and great to be enthroned in royal state. This is what we call the great reversal in Luke's gospel, that he has cast down the mighty and lifted up the lowly. And in this case, the one who is by nature, the very son of God, takes the lowest possible position. And maybe it really comes home for us in stanza 13. Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, prepare a bed soft, undefiled, a quiet chamber set apart, for you to dwell within my heart. And Luther does this throughout his Christmas hymns and his Christmas sermons. You take that imagery of manger, Bethlehem, and birth, and you drop it right home to our own life in the word and in the sacraments. So Jesus is among us in a bed, soft, undefiled. That is to say, my heart, he is with us through his incarnation. And that continues in his sacraments. We are in him by faith so that God and man are one. And then if I could skip the stanza 15. Glory to God in highest heaven, who unto us his son has given. While angels sing with pious mirth a glad new year to all the earth. Now on Christmas Eve, when we think of New Year, especially this year, we're thinking of 2021 and hoping it will be a lot better in the year 2020. And that's probably the way most of us uh, will sing it on Christmas Eve. But in the German, this word Yara for year, they can actually mean the entire era of salvation. So that angels sing with pious mirth, that new era, the new creation in Christ has come and it is for everyone.
What a text. That is just all about the incarnation and beautiful. What about the tune with this text? What do we know about the tune? The, the tune almost certainly comes from Luther. In the 16th century, they were not as concerned about uh, theft of intellectual property as we are as we are today. It was just a matter of getting this tune in print and then, of course, getting it into our mouths and into our ears and into our hearts. So the hymnal that we have in front of us, Lutheran Service Book 358, gives the name of the hymnal in 1539. It doesn't actually say, so this just gives the publication date. It is generally attributed to Martin Luther, and I don't know of anybody who's made a case that the tune comes from uh, anyone else. But more important, whether it comes from Luther or not, I like to ask, is the tune a good fit for the text, and why or why not? And with every one of Luther's give or take 37 hymns, the tune is always a wonderful fit for the text. So you look at that opening phrase, from heaven above to earth I come. And then the music, do, 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 do. it starts fairly high in the vocal range because it's coming from heaven above. And then the last phrase of music, do, 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 do. it settles down to earth. So it depicts the Son of God incarnate coming to earth among us. And it's a beautiful combination of text and tune. Uh, when when is this hymn usually sung? Is there a, a time during the season of Christmas that this is usually sung? As a rule of thumb, it's going to be the hymn of the day for Christmas midnight. I don't know how many congregations actually have a Christmas midnight service <laughs> these days. And the idea being that now, as of midnight on Christmas, the light, Christ has come in the midst of the darkness of sin and death, symbolized by the darkness and maybe the cold uh, around us. So for Christmas midnight, if uh, folks are not meeting on Christmas midnight, I think it is perfect for Christmas Eve, and but could possibly work just about any time during the uh, the twelve days of Christmas. Hmm. Beautiful hymn, lots of great history. I've learned a lot just in this short time together. Uh, Chaplain Hamer, anything else as we wrap? Anything else on this hymn as we wrap up our time together today? Uh, since this has been about uh, Luther's hymn and Luther's melody, could I end with a short quote from Martin Luther? Certainly. This is from a Christmas Day sermon where he says, God graciously embraces our human nature, honors and magnifies it so highly that not even angelic nature equals it in comparison. In fact, no creature made by God. That is to say, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thanks be to God. Our guest today, Chaplain Brian Hamer, he's chaplain to the 11th Regiment, the, the 11th Marine Regiment in Southern California. Chaplain Hamer, thank you so much for joining us here during the 12 days of Christmas to look at From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. Thank you, Andy and Sarah. You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.